0: maybe the materials themselves is going to reassemble into new shapes, right? So I live in a building right now in 2030, 2035, but I can dynamically change that to be a building of basically any color, any size, any shape, and also turn into a transformer to take me anywhere. You're listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, real estate and industry 4.0. And most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data that you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern.
1: We can start with a picture of imagination. Imagine you look outside the window of your office located in Singapore, for that case, in 2030 or 2035, let's put it even 2035, and there's a construction site opposite of you. What comes to your mind when you picture the process of this building being constructed and how is the planning of the building different compared to how it is done today?
0: Wow, what a fantastic question. I've never been asked a question like that before, so that it was interesting on its own. Okay, first of all, I wouldn't think that there are too many construction projects happening in Singapore, to be mm-hmm. honest. That's like the first question, right? I think we're going to live more in a digital reality than we're doing today. I think they're going to be more space optimization that when what we have today as well. So there's not going to be that much of a need for new construction. Depends on how you see it. If there is a new construction, however, if I look out through the window, I think there's going to be a lot of more automation. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of 3D printing involved, more robotics, spot robots. The building has actually been built, so everyone knows exactly what needs to be done. People are there for coordinating efforts, not necessarily building stuff, a lot of prefab. And again... The main, main difference is that the digital twin has been built first, powered by people with the main experience, building the whole digital twin where the main works has been done before with little to no uh, faults or errors and complete planning processes with an absolute knowledge of that context. So what has happened is, of course, what is happening right now is that they've scanned the area. And again, invited others to create exactly the steps that we take today, but in parallel. Again, like that's what I'm seeing because I'm still going to be an expert in this. So I'm going to see through what is happening, right? But looking out the window, I also will able to see with my augmented reality glasses, what the future is gonna look like. I'm gonna see the future skyline of Singapore because that's gonna be provided by the city. So it's gonna be the combination of having augmented reality and virtual reality. And maybe even I can just go into virtual reality because that's gonna be my new office. And Mm -hmm. I know exactly what my part of that office will be like because I've helped the construction companies and the designers build exactly what I need. And having that dialogue before it has even been built and also understanding of from a smart city perspective, as in this building was built intentionally there out of all the places. So the city planners actually asked the city fabric, okay, what is the best place for us to build a commercial real estate and what is the need right now for the people and into the future of a commercial real estate space? And how do we bring in those people in a dialogue with building the building that they need? And also thinking about how to make it robust, useful, and attractive right now, and also over time. And I think that's what I'm going to see. Again, Like my personal view is going to be enabled by augmented reality, virtual reality aspects, and the whole building is going to be built with a digital-first twin first intent, where concrete companies, electrical companies, mechanical engineering have collaborated in a virtual environment beforehand, where also... The city planners or the construction companies actually have taken a lot of these prefab stuff from a virtual app store, just deployed this kind of thing. So the suppliers actually have no immediate dialogue with the ones building it. They're just taking this out from an app store, building it. And then also the materials, it doesn't come from excavating stuff out of Mother Earth because you can't do that after 2030. It's prohibited. Because we've destroyed, you know, the planet since 2020, this fantastic study done by uh, in Leipzig, Germany, with Jochen uh, Karl Burkhardt, that spawned a new revolution. So in 2030, we've come to the point where we're actually using buildings as material banks. We're just shuffling the resources that we have dug out, but from demolishment of buildings, we're going to reuse that 100%, and it'll transfer that into a new part of the city. It's not going to be getting stuff from all over the place, all over the world. It's going to be, okay, you're allowed to take material from 20 kilometer diameter, whatever. And those are going to be also the components that are going to build this building. And then again, AI is going to help assemble this building and create a digital twin first, and you're gonna be able to track and trace all of this in blockchain, so that the guidelines and the sustainability metrics of that specific area, alongside the sustainable development goals, are gonna be ingrained into how everyone is working. So there's gonna be no cheating, there's gonna be no misconduct done by the construction companies anymore, and it's gonna happen, again, from a circular point of view. That's what I'm seeing, I think.
1: Thank you so much. That was a pretty good comprehensive picture, I would say. In terms of, you said the construction process will be assisted or even done by AI, which would be, in my understanding, generative design, generative modeling, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. Parametric design, generative design, based on the immediate context where you're going to, again, like, take the information from, and also based on a real-time understanding of the very context that you're building in, so that it's not going to be building schools in the wrong places, it's not going to be these kind of things. So it's going to be both from a people perspective, but what we're seeing right now in 2020 is that 5G, 6G enablement is going to enable also a world built not only for people, but for machines. So we're going to see more and more of that, and that's how modern companies with a digital operating model, digital business model, that's how they're going to behave in the future. We're also going to see climate crisis much, much more and more, where we're going to have much stringent regulations on both transparency, as in track and trace what is happening, and also rules as in how far you can take materials from, which was depicted in my view there, I think. But AI is definitely going to be more apparent, and I think it's going to be a combination of new players, for the most part, to be honest that can, and again, like have a digital operating model, digital business model, where a lot of the old school companies have, unfortunately, depending on how we see it, failed to capture the digital parts of this industry and ceased to exist in 2030,
1: 2035. How granular, how much to a micro level do you think this generative design will be? Like if I think of a concrete slab ceiling, right now it's just a flat piece of massive concrete. Concrete is a... Super unsustainable material as such, CO2 footprint is pretty much horrible to it that way. And so one concept should, will, would be to save on concrete
0: altogether. I think the new material sciences will probably evolve in the next 10 to 15 years as well. So while concrete in some shapes and forms today are not necessarily that great for the environment, CO2 emissions, all these kind of things, I think the material science is going to improve. And it's also the point as in, what is the alternatives? I know that the 3D printing company that we mentioned, they can make concrete harden in three to four days when it takes 28 days today, right? So also looking at it from a monetary perspective or like a time to completion or the whole thing as in transporting concrete prefab into a site as in versus 3D printing something. I think there are so many things that we people we don't understand the scope and the whole output of what this will lead to from a systems and systems to systems perspective, and not only from what it takes from the supply chain for materials as well as the materials themselves to evolve. So from a granular perspective, I am pretty certain that this is gonna be a world where interoperable digital twins hook together. So mm-hmm. you're gonna have a digital twin of the concrete. They're gonna get stringent rules re- and regulations and for blockchain purposes where you're gonna see where the material originated, what has gone in, the effort that has gone into creating this material. And then again for AI to you know make sure that we're gonna utilize the best way possible given the given circumstances in completing this building at scale. But again, like to answer your question, I think the world would be A combination of interoperable digital twins so it's going to be extremely granular maybe this sounds like if you go back 40 years we're going to have flying cars maybe that's the case but i'm also at the cutting edge so i know what is possible and i really really think that or i hope that it's going to be exponential advancement in these fields and it's going to be very few mistakes and very few Misunderstanding of what can be done and extremely well transparency between the materials, how they're built up and what is the cost and effort for the planet, as well as the profit perspectives and more of a contextual understanding of what goes into this building based on an outcome driven perspective, I think. So it's going to be much, much more granular than what we see today.
1: Two aspects that I always think about when I try to wrap my mind about how granular it can be and how buildings will be constructed is one modularization. So you build mm-hmm. modules prefab. And on the other hand, individualization of building parts. Maybe that's a naive idea, but I want to tell yeah. you see <laughs> yeah, yeah, what your opinion on it is if I have the requirements for a building, and what the walls need to take in terms of which kind of weight load and where the how much uh, light I want to have in the end, and all these preconditions, and I tell the AI, do that with the minimum amount of concrete, it will give me a structure where there's a lot of holes in it, like radiant concrete, I don't know if that's a concept that you're aware of. So pretty much there are no standard parts in this anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that goes along a little bit with what I said, right? So where the building is being placed or built, that -hmm. would also set the requirements of the components of that building. Because if you say, okay, we're gonna take stuff from this area, then you're gonna have limitations. Mm -hmm. But again, I think it's less about actual concrete and say, okay, given these resources available to us at any given point in time, what is the best way, not just working with parametric design, but again, like generative design of building that building Given that we have three months to do it in for Mm -hmm. this budget, with these resources available, with these rules, regulations, what can be done? And then press a button and then this is going to be done and then let's get it done. That's definitely how I see it. I think it's a great question. And I think it's going to be very, very individual or so like very, you know, place specific, so to say. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to lean more towards that. Definitely.
1: Do you think that the actors and subcontractors and pretty much everyone that is involved within the construction of a building will be drawn into the project by a project coordinator, or will that be also done by a BIM model or a digital twin model and a generative AI, which then selects the perfect partner for it?
0: it's always a transition phase, but if we stay, you know, with 2030, 2035, and if we are in Singapore, they're pretty advanced as well, and also with their city platform. So I think it's gonna be more the BIM object. You have a repository of BIM models from the different suppliers, manufacturers, all these kind of things, that maybe constitute like 85% of the actual building, so that you're gonna reuse, and it's gonna be super modular, Lego building blocks, all these kind of things. And then you definitely probably need a project coordinator, because even if it's 10 to 15 years, the rules, regulations in these industries usually take a long time. So there's probably going to be a human component. So it's usually a saying, right? In the future factories, there's a human and there's a dog, right? And then the dog is there to bite the hand of the person because they don't necessarily need to touch anything. That's the whole point. So I think it's going to be definitely a lot of automation. AI is definitely going to be in there. It's not going to be the way that we think about AI right now as in we talk about it. It's just gonna be like an automated process that is powered by AI with an understanding of the context and the outcomes that this building or whatever it is, is gonna be constructed in. So project coordinator is gonna be there, mostly for traditional purposes, I would expect. And then it's gonna be data stewards and understanding the architecture, and making sure that everything flows together fluently and definitely more digital roles that we don't see necessarily in the traditional industry today. So definitely going to be a change of roles, I think.
1: Do you think that the actors on a construction site will need to cooperate in a more intense way than today? Or will it be more anonymous because the processes are so split up and everybody is called to the site and has a specific task to do and you don't know what everybody else is doing? Or is it more as a, a big system of partners who need to cooperate much more to do this complex task?
0: I think like today, we have a lot of partners that are trying to collaborate and coordinate these complex tasks with a limited amount of success, to be honest. And I think everyone is going to know more exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, and fully understanding what everyone else is doing, because everyone Mm -hmm. has been there during the digital twin creation phase. Everyone has already constructed the building once, digitally, and now it's just up to them to do it physically, where they know exactly what to do. You're going to have more virtual reality, augmented reality, HoloLens. It's not right now. That right. is going to be more applicable. So there's going to be less of second-guessing. And I think like 2030, 2035, people are still going to be in it a little bit. But it's again, 85% is going to be much, much more automation, we're going to have Boston Dynamics, spots, robots, these kind of things going through the place. It's going to be interesting because why are they building this building, right? And again, that goes back to my first thought that I had when you said in 2030, 35, we're going to look out the window, there's going to be a new building built. I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the case. I think we're going to live more in virtual reality, be anywhere at any given point in time. We already see it now with COVID that we don't have to be in megacities. We don't have to be there. We don't have to commute. We can get the work done on remotely, right? So I think space optimization coupled with more virtual reality and augmented reality, especially virtual reality, is going to enable us to not necessarily grow cities that much, but more space optimization and more ruralification, I mean, move to rural areas more, I would believe. So I think if there are people on site... They're going to have a much, much easier understanding of, again, what they're doing, what other people are doing, and being able to converse around the shared reality that everyone can understand, both humans and machines. And I think we're starting to see that as well with companies that are utilizing BIM 360. They are utilizing these kind of things. But the problem for that is it's only the stuff that we already know about. It's the walls. It's the assets. What needs to be tied in is everything else the scheduling, the contract, the context, all these kind of things into a full-fledged digital twin. But again, when you have that, you create the building first. So there's like no room necessarily for error for the most part, especially in 10 to 15 years. And if that's not the case, I want you to call me and why didn't you do your job, Nicholas? Because I'm going to make sure this happens 100%.
1: Sounds interesting enough that it should happen. (laughs) (laughs) We've taken the example of Singapore. What do you think will be the difference to Europe?
0: So, Europe is different countries. And in the different countries, we have also different cities and different regions, right? So, I think it's going to be extremely diverse. But let's say if we take, we, we compare the city of Singapore to, take Gothenburg, where I'm at. So, it's definitely a tough one to answer but I actually try I'll try to so we look at the global dynamics we see that China APAC you know Asia have come a quite long way when it comes to making decisions at scale, have much more of a cashless society, have done fared much, much better now during COVID because they have more of a response, a digital response, than counterparts in Europe as well as in the US, right? So we're probably gonna see a dynamic shift where everything, China is the powerhouse of the world, fortunately and unfortunately, depending on how we see it. Sweden, and if we take Gothenburg for instance, here in Gothenburg, we have a lot of automotive companies. So the automotive company has probably been taken back to China or elsewhere. So Gothenburg is now a ghost town. So nothing is built here anymore. It is what Leipzig was 10 to 50 years ago. A lot of different places. We're still a great university, but not a lot of job opportunities because everything has moved away to China. And Sweden as a country as well hasn't been competitive enough when it comes to AI enablement at scale. We can't make decisions, we're falling behind. We're really, really good at innovation when it comes to silo-made specific stuff and unicorns, all these kind of things. But from a societal level, we've misunderstood degree of immigration and forgotten that it's actually about integration. So that has led to an implosion of a lot of our values and core values. We see that right now here in Sweden as well. So I think the macro dynamics are very, very important when it comes to everything. So just seeing Europe, It doesn't cut it. It's gonna be, you know, what part of the city is gonna be very, very place specific. But I can actually say like the global dynamics is probably gonna change in the favor of APAC, especially China, in the next 10 to 15 years. I see that already. The easy answer is it's gonna be very, very contextually specific from one perspective, as in what gets built and if it gets built and why it gets built. But at the same time, companies with digital operating models or digital business model will also have a global landscape to do stuff in. But if we also go back to what I said before, and if we take that as a valid point, as in this is what the future will look like, then that would also spur regional development and less globalization, especially when it comes to physical products. So even if you want to build something in den Gothenburg, because the limitation of not taking fantastic marble from Italy anymore, actually just taking fantastic marble from Italy that was in a building built beforehand, regionally, I think that's sort of maybe more of the sustainability perspective. So I think the physical world is going to be very immediate, whilst the digital world is going to be, of course, very, very global, right? And it's going to be very, very specific about what is happening from a media perspective, whereas global regulation, when it comes to sustainability metrics, they're going to put a power on what can happen as well. I think so this dynamic lab, but I think targeting like Europe alone, how different countries as well as cities, as well as regions can be. So I think it's very, very different.
1: I got you right on the fact that you think cities will not be so hardcore rushed as they are nowadays because you can stay more remote and do the same thing than you do in the city.
0: I really, really think so. If you look at younger generations. Older generations are like, okay, boomer, you're not real friends because you never met in real life. I look around and the people, even the people in my generation, I'm born in 84, the people that played Halo, they missed that level of friendship of going at it together, solving things in World of Warcraft. And I think you are going to see more of that world appear as a, almost like an alternative reality. It's called like metaverse and multiverse enablement. If you look at Ready Player One in 2030 to 2035, that's sort of like depicting parts of the society. I think we're going to have like an alternative something. You can have a mansion in the digital realm, but we have apartment that is very, very limited. But the technology is going to enable us to do more with less. That's the deal with technology. And we're going to live, you have these platforms like Second Life, Project Entropia, where the Second Life or the virtual reality life is the life, Right. If we look at movies like Up as well, I'm hoping that's not the utopia or like the dystopia we're going to see before us. But I definitely think that it's going to move that. And if 50% of the population, or even 10% or 5% of the population in the world lives 100% or 99% or whatever, 90% in an alternative reality, then we don't see the need for these movement patterns anymore, and especially not if they grow up and working remote, right? And not taking this commute for granted. I believe that there's going to be a shift in both global mobility patterns, but also regional, where it's going to be less of a need of these office spaces, especially. And with telemedicine as well, I think there's going to be less hospitals. I think it's just everything is going to be distributed more and more and more and more.
1: So many good points. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) When we talk about smart buildings, this also means that there must be a shitload of sensors, to put it that way.
0: Yes and no. If you have a chair in a room, right, and then you put a blanket on top of of that chair, right, you don't need sensors to tell you underneath the blanket that that is a chair. You can sort of infer that it is a chair by understanding where the blanket lies, where it sits, and you don't necessarily need to understand exactly the nooks and crannies of that chair, right? So when you have a digital twin of an object, well, a building, a gas turbine, whatever that is, there's something called virtual sensors. So the virtual sensors is basically what you can infer by looking at things from a holistic perspective. And then you see, okay, if we know that the temperature of that building over here is X amount of degrees, and you know that the wind is moving at this pace and all these kinds of things happening, you don't need sensors everywhere. An example from a gas turbine that I know for a fact, you have a gas turbine and you have a pipe, right? And in that pipe travels gas. So the diameter of the pipe, the model the make of the pipe, the velocity the, the gas travels, and also the temperature when it comes into the pipe and when it comes out to the pipe. Yep. Then so a traditional approach would be to saw the pipe in half, stick a sensor in it to understand what is the temperature at that part of that pipe, right? With digital twins, you only need the endpoints And the context, and then you use mathematical models to infer what temperature it has at any given point in the pipe, right? Because it's just math and physics. Basically, what that means from a smart city perspective, national perspective, if you have a lot of the data around something, then you might need 10 sensors Mm. and 90 virtual sensors. So, that from a sustainability perspective is also very, very interesting. And of course, AI feeds on context, but it can also mean that the sensors come in. They learn the digital DNA of the building. Then you remove 90% of the sensors, build up the digital twin, and you have 90% virtual sensors. The digital opportunities that will exist and that do exist today will definitely help to augment and help out from a sustainability perspective. And it's not only sensor technology right there's a company right now that is participating for the european innovation prize they have created they reversed some of the components when it comes to solar photovoltaics and they rearrange it a little bit so now they can ingrain this in their headphones so in the headphones over here it just takes in ambient light sunlight all these kind of things to have a perpetual energy feeling mm-hmm. that you never have to charge them right and this is in 2020 by 2030, 2035, the material sciences stuff combined with AI and digital twins, you know, have brought that to a point, there's gonna be an abundance of energy. We can probably make a lot of household components extremely smart. So the sensors that we see today, They're going to be ingrained in everyday household items, so we're never going to think about it. So we're going to have more of a seamless digital reality, and hopefully that will work for the betterment of people, as well as with a planetary purpose. It's not going to be this either or or sacrificing this or sacrificing that. All of the industries, all of the research that is happening today is also going to be exponentially faster. So we're looking, it's very, very hard to predict, but we can also see that this is happening right now. If that makes sense.
1: (laughs) That definitely makes sense. Because my question would have been if there is a different kind of building of character that building parts need to have in the future, if buildings are much more smarter than today.
0: Absolutely. What does it say, Forrest Gump? Stupid is as stupid does, right? Or smart is as smart does. If you're building a building with smarter products and material with smarter tools, of course, it has the ability to become smarter, obviously. If you say, like, what is the difference between 2035 and what is now? We have smarter material. We have more automated machinery, generative design, all these kind of things. And we use modern tools to get the job done. Most of these things, I think, could be done today, but there's a lag between what is possible and what the industry actually will use and what will develop. Reaching a 2035 vision could actually be done, depends on how you see it. Industry en masse, it could be done today. The cutting edge in 2030-35 will be beyond anything that we can understand and comprehend as cutting edge today, I would expect.
1: What do you see in terms of smart materials? It's such a broad term, I think. Mm. If you Google that, you find so many different things. What's your understanding of it and what do you think is it in 2030?
0: The smart materials that are being applicable to the industry at large is probably the stuff what I talked about, the cutting edge that we have today. The cutting edge stuff in terms of smart material in 2035, they're going to be something that we can't comprehend right now. It would be really, really difficult to speculate on what that could be, to be honest. I know that the printing organs, right? So bioprinting. We combine what's happening with you know, Elon Musk, which is like Neuralink. We have shows on TV, HBO, like Westworld, right? Where you have 3D printed humans, which we can do, right? So if we just bring these things together, we can have the option. Do we want to stay as meatbags? humans? Or do we want (laughs) to upload our conscience and our very being into something else? And why would we look outside the window and see construction of a new building if I can maybe upload myself to somewhere and then 3D print myself? If we are at that level of being able to transfer our intelligence into something else than us people, why would we do it in such a fragile something as bodies? And then what would that world look like? I don't know. So I think the whole concept of trying to predict the future 15 years ahead at this given point in time is interesting, but I think it's going to be exponential. We, We don't see what will happen because there are so many advances in so many different industries that in 2030, 35, I think like the existential questions, will there be a need for construction? That is the fundamental piece that I think is the most interesting to cover, right? In terms of material sciences, research traditionally today, that's maybe like 20 years, coming from cutting edge stuff, research, and then making it to mass market. But with the advent of digital twins and your know, collaboration purposes, also that will accelerate. So what we see beforehand, where well, that has taken you know, 20 to 30 years, that will only take maybe, I don't know, five to 10 years, right? And then in 2030, maybe that will have gone from 10 years or five years into two years. So the exponential increase in applicable solutions reach in mass market, which just happened faster and faster and faster and faster when it comes to a point there where it's, again, like is it applicable for humans, and humans for machines, or for cyborgs in a better way, humans augmented with machines. It's interesting. It's a little bit too hard to understand exactly what is happening. But the level of computation power that we can achieve, not just in the cloud, but distributed intelligence within the buildings, within sensors, within innovative fabric of things, is also going to lead to amazing stuff, to be honest. Just thinking about that one, maybe the materials themselves is going to reassemble into new shapes, right? So I live in a building right now in 2030, 2035, But I can dynamically change that to be a building of basically any color, any size, any shape, and also turn into a transformer to take me anywhere, right? (laughs) Maybe that's the case. Things are happening so fast, and it's not the future that is faster than we think. It's the present that is much, much faster than what people think, I believe.
1: I will also give you a call uh, when I find out that my building is a transformer machine and say, you've done the job. We talked about technology and it's going uh, exponentially, completely on the same train here. When I think about people and humans, I'm not so sure many times. People don't change so quickly with their habits yeah. and with what they like, with the culture and everything yeah. else.
0: True. People are clinging to the past, right? Of course. And they're protecting their jobs. I was talking about this exact same thing today. If you make a comparison, again, we take China as an example. So they've had a cashless society for quite some time, been very, very driven to revamp made in China. Their information technology is basically everywhere. They are in all countries in Africa except for maybe one or two, planning for the future of world domination. That's you know their intent to combat US in all shapes and forms. They have the and financial group. So let's just take banking as an example. So and financial has I think it's 11,500, maybe 12,000 now employees, and they're servicing over 750 million, or I think it's seven hundred level, but let's say 720 million people uh, worldwide, especially in APAC. So 11,000 people for 700 plus million customers. Bank of America has 112,000 employees servicing 70 million in one country. People at Bank of America, they, of course, they know this, right? They know that... If we have a digital business model, a digital operating model, we could do much, much better. And maybe the decision makers want this. Maybe the shareholders want this. But do the people in the industry want this? Or do the ones that work at Bank of America? Of course not. Yeah. They'd be out of a job, right? Because if they would have 70 million customers, so for 700 million people or customers, they have 10,000 people, right? So for 1,000 people, they can service 70 million. So that would mean that Bank of America could probably do with the same digital business model operating model, they have to get rid of one hundred and eleven thousand employees, and just have one thousand people left. And that comes to problem. What would that do for mass unemployment for America as a whole? And yeah. what would that do for Bank of America in terms of happy employee reviews? Well, if the 1,000 actually would be super happy because they have a job, but for the 111,000 people, they wouldn't be happy, right? And the unions, they would never accept this. So existing infrastructure, existing people, they cling to the past, unfortunately, and they're sacrificing a better future because of people, stupidity, sacrificing the planet in the process, right? Technology is one thing, but you're spot on. And that's why I'm saying the cutting edge right now. That would probably happen in the industry by 2030, 2035, and we'll still have an industry of sorts because rules, regulations, existing industry dynamics will make this happen. But again, if we think about that and we say that the digital maturity is much, much higher in APAC or Asia-Pacific, then we can see the gap, right? They're protecting the past and they're sacrificing their future like the whole society works towards this right so it's going to be very very different and I think maybe that is the best answer to the European versus Singapore question as in what mindset do you have are we protecting the past and people or are we protecting the future uh, with a planetary purpose because if we do that we try to build a world for people hasn't worked for people or anyone else in this world to be honest maybe a few billionaires not much more but if we do it differently I think that's definitely what's going to set the agenda, what is achievable and where industry dynamics, people in high and low and especially low positions and unions and industry dynamics will, again, try to protect what exists, but new startups uh, will eradicate existing ways of working, hopefully in a smooth transition but i think we're going to see a lot of turmoil in traditional industries like construction real estate in the next 10 to 15 years and it's the ones that have a digital operating model digital business model they will succeed even more so than the ones that again do not
1: Okay, this would have been my next question, what your view is on the construction sector, because right now it's such a stagnant, super conservative industry, and everybody, or many people that you talk to, say that they will stick to their business plans for a long time and that they will be quite resistant.
0: Most people don't like the unknown. I love the unknown because I don't like it when I know stuff. I just like it when I don't know stuff. Reading Clayton Christensen, Innovator's Dilemma, and you know, about the disruption, it has happened in the past. It's always happened, right? Every empire, every industry has fallen because they become lazy. They don't want to change, right? So this industry will be disrupted like everything else. Will it be take a long time? Not necessarily. I think like the new startups that we're seeing, if we take that into theory, right? Or like into practice that a company like Ant Financial needs 1,000 people to do the same thing that a company with 100,000 people needs to do, then how many new startups do we need to completely eradicate existing construction companies and get the work done much, much better and much, much faster? It's a simple sort of like equation. And I think once we hit that, And we see that then it's gonna be this force combined with sustainability metrics and all these kind of things that are gonna put a more of a demand of transparency and sustainability, especially transparency. And transparency is not synonymous with real estate nor construction. And that demands another kind of company that can only be found by startups and scale-ups, because again, traditional companies, they will just know we can't do this. And unfortunately for them, when it comes to that point. They will not be able to do that at all at the same speed as is necessary to get the stuff done. I think they're going to be disrupted for sure.
1: Was there a opinion about Katerra? They tried to do it really differently and they did a quite good job. in. No,
0: in, in, they did not. I think their idea was okay uh, from the beginning, but uh, it's not the big that eat the small. It's the fast that eat the slow. And when you enter a new market, and I think they tried in the beginning with digitalization, hired a lot of people, billions spent. What they did wrong was to acquire slowness. They acquired existing companies to get an installed base and to get to know where they wanted to go. But it's not digital. They acquired slowness. They acquired existing industry dynamics and expected different results. Never going to happen. This was a (laughs) failure from the beginning. It was never going to work. Never. How do you make a business which is so truly physical, like construction, mm-hmm. digital? It's just like modern tools to get ancient jobs done. But you look at what are the jobs to be done, again, quoting Clayton Christensen, what are the jobs to be done, right? And instead of looking at it from PDFs and Word docs and project management tools made for people, we're looking at it from with modern tools, how to get the jobs done, working with parametric design, generative design intent, AI-first strategies, Understanding that we need digital business models, digital operating models that can scale and reuse intelligence and be applicable to any part of the world at any given point in time. And that is not existing companies. It's not necessarily scale ups and startups either. It's these new companies which understand the past, the present and the future.
1: Okay, another question, because you mentioned it so much, China and Asia, they are going for world domination and they are doing an okay job at the moment, I would say, at least. Yeah, uh, Will we see brain drain from specific parts in the world which are not Asian and not China to China?
0: We're already seeing it, definitely, right, directly and indirectly. So yes, 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 absolutely. And I think, again, if you look at digital twins as a technology, the knowledge transfer aspects when it comes to recording reality, transferring knowledge from systems as well as people into a shared reality, That's a brain drain if I've ever seen one, right? You're talking about the skills shortage gap in this industry. Construction companies, real estate companies, they have a hard time hiring new people because it's not an attractive business to be in. Very low digitalization. I'd rather be a developer working for Unreal Engine or Fortnite stuff or game development or crypto space or whatever than being hands down dirty in a job, which is super risky. So I think, again, the knowledge transfer from existing people working in industries into digital twin perspective, one of the technologies will definitely happen that yep. will act as boundary spanning objects for past generations into new generations. So the brain drain will happen not only from China, but more from a people perspective into machine related ways mm-hmm. of working. We can't go back from that. So humans are, of course, being replaced by machines at some point. And it's really, really important that we have to find that balance so that we don't eradicate ourselves or take ourselves out of the equation until we can upload ourselves into the cloud so that we also can become humans, part machines, I think. If we do it too quickly, then it's only gonna be machines. If we do it good enough, there's a chance that we know we can fly to Mars, we can just upload an intelligence and you'll know, take a, a shuttle to Mars and then live there. But again, if we have that level of competence, why would we need to go there? We can just design a virtual world. It's it's all these kind of things, right? It's too much to think about. <laughs>
1: It's so cool to speak to such an explorative uh, person. When I was <laughs> like 17 or 18 years old, I had this imagination of a truly digital world which you cannot differentiate anymore and what would happen. And it blew my mind. I had a night in which I, I couldn't sleep because I was so busy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, that's exactly what we're going towards. Isaac Asimov, right? Hidden like the final question How did the universe start or whatever? And again, this is so on a tangent right here. It's basically, now when we can record reality, we can use it sort of mathematical precision, working with AI, with gaming engines and all these kind of things, just in the next 20 years, we're gonna see like exponential deep fake stuff. Again, like we can't discern reality from the virtual reality and what is real, right? It's gonna be impossible. News is gonna be, how can we discern what is real from what is not? Blockchain could probably be tampered with, all these kind of things. It's gonna be really, really hard for us as a human species to understand what is real and what is not. And the thing is also, when we get to that point, we also have the ability to almost manufacture, again, a new reality. And that brings back the simulation stuff Elon Musk and everyone else is talking about. Are we living in a simulation? I don't know, who cares? But once we get the ability in the next 50 years, 100 years, even 200 years, to create realities, I think that in itself is such a crazy point of singularity that it's really hard to think about
1: maybe as a last question a bit more down to earth for the construction sector for the next let's say five to eight years i think i have heard a lot about your best case scenarios and what you think will happen when things Mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. exponentially what would be a worst case scenario in terms of uh, slow development i mean the worst worst case
0: Yeah, the worst, worst case is, of course, we kill ourselves in the process in the next 15 <laughs> years. That's great for the planet, not great for people, obviously. Someone unintentionally explodes a nuclear bomb or whatever, right? Who creates a black hole somewhere. Okay. That is it's, the worst case. The construction sector. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe it happens in construction, you know. So the worst case for an industry perspective, I guess, if you're looking at from the existing players right now, would be to all the stuff that I'm seeing that will happen, that that actually happens, right? That is their worst case. That their one hundred thousand employees will just be down to one thousand, or that they're out of business—that mm-hmm. is their worst case. As far as worst case for the industry is that it stays the same. It depends on what role you take in terms of am I in the industry? Are we looking at the industry from the outside? But yeah, being part of the fantastic group of status quo people, I don't think that would cut it. I think that's again that's my worst case—that the startups have failed to go into this business, failed to realize what is possible. And in 2030, 2035, we can't use virtual reality. We can't use augmented reality, my glasses that I use every day for everything else. I can't use it to see the future skyline of the city because the traditional industry construction is just stay the same. And that for me is like an ultimate dystopia, <laughs> to be
1: honest. <laughs> okay, perfect closing sentence, I guess. Yeah. Okay, Nicholas, thank you so much. Perfect, Have talk the best to week. you soon, bye bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you like this episode, make sure to tune in to the next one and also see if other episodes could be something for you. Your host, the master of the metaverse, Nicholas Wern.